the election, the Democrat response, and hey, COVID's over. I'm James O'Hara, and this is what's going on in politics today. So thank you for joining me. Um, I've been planning this podcast for a while, and then I threw out all my plans for this podcast, and then I replanned this podcast again, and then I threw out all the plans again. (laughs) That's pretty much because this election uh, has been absolutely crazy. So I, I did plan an election special um, to give you guys, of course, my perspective on what the election was and is, I should say. It's still going. Um, and I, I had to throw it out a bunch of times because everything is consistently changing with this election. That's the one thing that's consistent is that nothing is consistent. And so this election has had all sorts of crazy results uh, and things that have happened. And we don't really know who the winner is still to this day. Although some people think they know exactly who the winner is. So let's start off with election night and my prediction. I will uh, be honest and open about being wrong. I sat and called this election uh, on election night. I gave my prediction about what this would be. I posted on my Facebook page and I was pretty wrong. Um, At the time, the voting was still going on, of course. The counting of the votes is still going on. It was about uh, 2.30, 3 in the morning or something when I'd posted my prediction for the next day. Uh, at the time, Trump was leading 213, and Biden had 210 electoral votes. It seemed as Pennsylvania was going uh, to go Trump's way. Georgia, of course, going Trump's way. North Carolina going Trump's way. Uh, Michigan going Trump's way and Wisconsin going uh, Trump's way at the time that I decided to turn off my coverage. And that's pretty much because they'd stopped counting the votes at that point uh, and they put a pause on everything. And uh, I woke up the next morning and everything was still the same. And then by the afternoon, everything had changed. Uh, They called Wisconsin and Michigan uh, the opposite for Biden, giving him uh, more electoral votes. And then it came down, of course, to if Trump could pull off a win in Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Georgia, and switch over either Arizona or Nevada. They became the new swing states that were going to be deciding the election. Uh, And he had to win one of them in order to win the presidency, which was a tall order, tall order. Uh, Both of those states, um, Arizona traditionally leans Republican. Uh, Nevada does not. Nevada traditionally leans a Democrat state, uh, mostly because of Clark County, where Las Vegas is, very heavy Democrat. Um, I'll get to that in a little bit. Um, but they uh, they were probably not going to go his way, although the election was extremely close. And it still is. The counting is still going on, and the election is extremely close when you look at the numbers. Uh, this is the closest election of my lifetime, uh, probably outside of the year 2000, which would be the uh, Bush first score. And, of course, that election is uh, really decided in the Supreme Court, which may be where this wedding, uh, where, wedding, where this uh, election is heading. Uh, it, it may be where we're heading here with that. Um, so to get into this, first of all, if you haven't noticed, uh, the election does not have a winner. Uh, you may have been told that there's a winner, and the media may have reported to you that there's a winner, But there's not a winner of this election that we have yet. And that's because no states have actually certified any kind of uh, electoral decision. So what happens is these these states have a certain amount of time uh, before they need to certify their elections. Usually it's by December that they have to get these uh, certified. It's different for depending on what state you're in um, or what state you're talking about. 
But overall, pretty much around December, that's when they all have to certify their electoral results, of course, and report them. Um, So that way, the electors for every state can then report to the Electoral College and cast their votes accordingly and elect who the next president of the United States is going to be. And then, of course, there's a transition period where the new president, if there is a new one, uh, has an opportunity to put their staff together and get up to speed on any kind of national security issues and things they need to know before they actually get inaugurated in on January 20th of the following year. So January 20th, in this case, 2021, is when the president would be inaugurated. And whether that would be the president we already have, the incumbent, or whether it be a new president who takes over. So that is the basic process for how this works. But understanding that basic process It's been stolen away from you. You haven't been able to actually know who the real winner is. Uh, Instead, we have reports coming out that there is a winner that has won already. Um, And so as most of you have probably heard by now, uh, being that it is now uh, as I'm recording this, November 9th, uh, over the weekend, we had an announcement that Joe Biden was the president-elect, that Joe Biden was the projected president Uh, the projected winner of the 2020 election um, because it looks like he is winning in most of these states. And if, to be honest, we're about real facts on this show and not about just telling you things you want to hear, he is leading in these states that show him up, which means uh, he is leading and most likely will be the president-elect. He most likely will be declared the winner of the presidential election. Now, he has not been yet. I mean, the media declared him, and immediately people poured on to the streets, of course, ignoring any of the COVID stuff, but we'll get to why COVID is is over in a minute. Um, And then uh, poured out to the streets, of course, and and jubilation that we have a new president and the era of Trump shall be over, according to them. And we don't need to count anymore. Uh, We don't need to continue counting more ballots. We, we don't need to worry about anything with the election. Um, we don't have to take anything else seriously anymore. Um, any, anything else, it doesn't apply. Uh, he's the president. Uh, the whole world is rejoicing. If you watch CNN, um, they're, they're talking about people in Bosnia that are cheering on Joe Biden as the new president. Um, not sure how many people in Bosnia uh, really care about who the president of the United States is and how much that maybe affects them, um, you know, Obviously, wouldn't be the guy who worked out peace agreements between the Bosnians um, and other groups um, like Donald Trump. That that wouldn't be important to them. But um, apparently, they really care about Joe Biden being president. So that had to make it onto the news because we had to care about people in Europe and what they uh, feel and think about our president. And somehow, that's supposed to make us feel better, of course, about who was picked um, in the presidential election. So um, that is how the media is playing it. Uh, they're sporting it now. I'm. I'm going to get into in a little bit about why I believe they're doing this, why the media called the election the way it did, uh, why they picked this weekend to do it, um, and not wait out to see the result of any litigation or anything there. So let's get into what the litigation is. Um, As you probably know, Donald Trump has not conceded. He has not come out and said that he is going to give up the presidency, that he will step down in January, that it'll be over, and that Joe Biden has won. That has not been announced by the president, and rightfully so. The president should not announce that and should not concede. Um, I think at this point in the game, if you are going to concede, uh, it would be a very a foolhardy exercise to concede an election this close. 
Uh, it's not very often in American history that we have elections this close where it comes down to the wire uh, of just, uh, you know, honestly, a few thousand votes in every state, uh, which I'll get into those numbers in a second. But you you have a close election. It would be ludicrous for someone to step down and concede without having an – I mean, states haven't finished counting yet. If a state hasn't finished counting yet uh, and, and you're close on an election result and you concede, I mean, that would be foolhardy. It would be absolutely stupid. And it's asinine for anyone to even say uh, the president should concede at this point. I, I mean, it, wouldn't, it would not happen. Um, you know, that's a, it's the fourth quarter in a football game and you, you're down by three points – and you're on the you know twenty yard line of, of your your opposing twenty yard line. All you got to do is kick a field goal to tie it up, or perhaps go for a touchdown. And you still have time on the clock, and then you just spike the ball and go into the uh, go into the locker room and quit the game. I mean, that's exactly what would it would be equivalent to if the president gave up at this point point and just conceded. So, hearing the pundits come out and talk about it, oh, we should concede. Uh, what's he doing? Why is he continuing this? And even hearing Republicans come out congratulating. Uh, Joe Biden on being the president and saying that the that the president of the United States should concede uh, is is at is it's alarming to say the very least. It's alarming that they would do that to each his own. If you want to go out there and, and congratulate Joe Biden on winning the presidency, that's your right to do. You can assume he won. Uh, you can assume he's going to win and get out in front of everybody and and make it look like you're a, a good good little uh, supporter and go out there and say that you um, support him, even as a Republican, uh, I guess that and maybe try to curry favor with the new administration or whatever, maybe the, the mental motivation behind doing something like that. Um, but to each his own, you can do that. It doesn't mean anything. It means nothing. Uh, it is a, it is just an exercise in saying words uh, that have zero meaning to them. Um, it's funny. I was, you know, I, I listened to a lot of Candace Owens. I follow what she posts. And she, of course, tweeted out that uh, she, uh, the, the left literally is, um, for four years, uh, it's something along the lines of for four years, they literally said that um, Donald Trump wasn't their president, and, uh, and he literally was their president. And now they are saying that uh, Joe Biden is their new president, and he literally is not their new president. I, I laughed at that because it's 100% true. Uh, he has not been certified. He has not been actually elected as the president or the next president of the United States. Um, and with Down the Heels, there is litigation over this. So you have a lot of voting irregularities that have been apparent in different states, Pennsylvania, for example, uh, Georgia, for example, um, even Arizona, it seems, and Michigan especially. Uh, the big ones to be concerned about, definitely Michigan, definitely Pennsylvania, and, of course, they're in the Democratic-controlled cities, um, and Fulton County, of course, in Atlanta, Georgia, those seem to be the cities where we have issues with all of a sudden Trump was leading on election night and then all of a sudden these votes came in and it changed things. There's been all sorts of anecdotal uh, stories about how votes weren't counted, how you had a situation in Michigan where 6,000 votes um, went to one candidate or went to, went to Biden, where actually Trump votes, they switched it, it actually changed the results of another uh, uh, race that was going on, a, a local race that was happening. So there's been stories of irregularities, uh, not to mention the 138,000 votes that magically appeared in Michigan for uh, Biden, which was t we were told was a glitch, or was a typo, uh, rather, not a glitch. The 6,000 votes was a glitch. This was a typo. But apparently the 6,000 votes 
um, was using the software that's used by 47 different counties in Michigan and also used by other states. So who's to say that glitch didn't carry over to all these other locations? It's definitely something I think that warrants at least being looked at since we know it's factually happened in one place and changed the results of a local election there. I think that warrants it to be looked at on a, on a bigger scale. Michigan could change numbers if that's the case. So there are some voting irregularities. I love hearing the media try to act like none of this exists and acting like anyone who says something is irregular about the vote is a conspiracy theorist or not to be trusted or they can't report on this yet. All of them, of course, reported on Russia collusion for four years with zero evidence that it ever happened. Um, even Some outlets even kept reporting on things like Russian collusion, even after a report came out saying that it never happened. It, when it was proven false, you still had stories coming out of the New York Times and out of CNN and other uh, fake, uh, you know, what, what Trump has titled fake news outlets because they just report stuff that's not even true. And they kept reporting it, even after it was proven false, as if it was, you know, still the, the law of the land, as they wanted to, th- to think it was. So the reality is, Trump's going to contest this election in all of these different states. Some of these states are going to have automatic recounts. So that means they're not even done counting, and they're going to have automatic recounts on top of that. And then you have the litigation that's going to come out with the actual court system, where the dispute comes for votes. And I'm not a lawyer, I'll tell you that right now, but I will give you my take on what I believe this litigation and how it's going to work. Um, I've heard a lot of people talking about this election since it's happened, a lot of questions about how does this work? What's going to happen? Why doesn't Trump just concede? He knows he's not going to win anyway. And I'll give you the harsh reality of this is that Joe Biden probably is going to win this election. Did Joe Biden win it because uh, he's Joe Biden and he was just better than the other candidates? Probably not. It was there some maybe election uh, shenanigans going on in some of these um, Democrat-controlled areas to try to push Biden over the top. Uh, There probably was. I don't know how much of it there really is. Um, We don't know yet how much there really is and if it will have an effect on election. But the issue we run into here is how much even discovering these problems will actually go forward in changing the results of the election. That's the key. So the reality is, is it going to change it? Probably not. You're probably still going to have Joe Biden as the president-elect when this is all done because once it's said and done, they're counted. It's very hard to go back and change that result versus if you were able to catch it at the time when it was happening. So like, if you catch fraud, for example, when it's occurring, you can then stop it, prevent anything, any further damage from happening. When you catch the fraud after the effect, now you have to go back and dig in and find out just exactly how big the fraud was, how deep it went, what was the result of it, and so on. So it does make it difficult to fight these things out in court. Now, when the media comes out and tells you there's no evidence for any voting irregularities or voting fraud at all, there may be no evidence of voting fraud. There's definitely evidence of voting irregularities. We, we can see that there's a problem. It's been admitted to that there were problems with certain parts of the voting. Um, and there's anecdotal stories that things are going on now. No, anecdotal stories are not evidence. And we wouldn't know what evidence is there yet because the court cases have not happened yet. It's one of my favorite things when the media likes to say we can't report on stuff. We can't say there's any evidence of any kind of voting fraud or anything like that. And even if you don't want to call it fraud, 
voting irregularities, issues with ballots, issues with voting. So it might not even be actual intentional fraud. There might be other issues at, at play here. There may be multiple issues at play here, not just fraud, so to speak. But when someone comes out and says there's no evidence for this, and therefore it must be ignored, that to me is crazy. You're not going to see the evidence because we haven't gone to court yet on it. You know, there was no evidence for Russian collusion. It hadn't been litigated in any kind of court. And therefore, you should have never been reported on if that was the case. Right? The Hunter Biden emails that came out, which are very damning for potentially the new president of the United States, that he was perhaps on the take secretly, that his son was going around and making million-dollar deals and funneling the money somehow to him, and he was getting wealthy off of it, and that's why he never spoke up and never stopped it, even though he knew his son was going around and doing all these things. We were told that story can't be reported. It can't be tweeted out. You can't project it on anybody else because it's unproven and it's unfounded. We don't know any of the facts. Well, we don't know any of the facts on this uh, uh, with voting irregularities. We know that some things happened. But the whole point is you're supposed to report these things so they can be investigated, so they can be looked at. And what you should not do is assume someone has won when these things have not been litigated yet because it would follow the same thing, right? There's no evidence that Joe Biden actually won this election. There's zero. There's no evidence he actually won. There's votes that have been counted, that look like he's won. They all haven't been counted yet, so we don't know. There's outstanding litigation uh, over this. There's recounts that are pending. So to say in one breath you can't report on something because you have no evidence towards it, and in the same breath project the winner of the election based on information that is not true, that has not been proven, right? The whole point is proven, right? Where's the proof? Where's the evidence? Where's the proof? That's what it's all about, right? Well, when the Trump administration goes to court, they're going to have to present whatever evidence they have. Now, I don't know what evidence they have. They may have no evidence. They may go into court, and it may be immediately thrown out, and this may be an exercise in futility. But we don't know that until they actually do go to court, and they present their evidence, and they explain their side of the story. Then we'll know. But until then, we won't. And the chances it could get thrown out, or it may lead to a change in the results, that's a possibility too. Now, it's a very off-chance possibility. Basically, what would have to happen is a combination of things. The recounts in the states that are very close would have to go positive Trump's way. Maybe not 100%. He doesn't need all those votes in those states, um, the recount to, to find him more votes. And, and chances are they might not find a lot of votes. Usually when these recounts happen historically, a couple hundred votes here, a couple hundred votes there. Uh, maybe some irregulars with the machine not working properly, a power outage caused something to happen, whatever it might be. It's usually not enough to sway an entire election. However, this election is very close. But even then, I don't think it's going to be enough to sway the election uh, towards Donald Trump. I, I don't think that one is enough, just to recounts on their own. Not to say it's not possible, but I don't. it's, it's implausible to me that that would happen. Now... With that said, the other side of this comes in, and that's the litigation on the fact of what counts as a valid ballot. That's really the argument that's going to be made by the Trump uh, lawyers in this um, fight. The fight is going to be over what ballots have been counted, what ballots perhaps may have been illegally counted or illegally cast. 
and therefore those ballots should be invalidated and removed from the counts. Uh, now, in Pennsylvania, there was a court decision that came down, uh, an order by Justice uh, Supreme Court Justice Alito, which told the uh, Pennsylvania supervisors of elections to segregate certain ballots that had been brought in, which were questionable on their postmark date. Um, we, we will see how that works out. There are stories out there that apparently they did not do what the court order said, um, and these officials in Pennsylvania did not segregate these ballots. Um, I don't know to what extent that might be. You, If you listen to Giuliani and the president's um, legal team, they're saying it's upwards of 600,000 votes altogether all throughout the country um, that may be, may be invalidated, which would by far change the results. If, if a 600,000-vote swing happened, it would definitely change the results of this election and most likely put President Trump uh, back in office as the president for re-election. Um, but we don't know exactly how many ballots are out there. We'll see what the evidence is that they bring to court. They were supposed to be, begin the court process today in these different states. Uh, it'll be litigated throughout these different states, and we'll see. If there is evidence for this, it will move forward. If there's not evidence, I don't think it will get very far. But I do think anecdotally these stories do make sense. I do think there is some funny business that has happened with some of these ballots, maybe perhaps showing up late to these sites, especially in states which allowed the vote um, you know, to come in after, uh, allowed ballots to be sent in, or, or at least sent up to Election Day, and then uh, those ballots got there afterwards, maybe within a couple days in some cases, and they look maybe questionable about where they came from uh, and, and things like that. Now, again, is it enough to sway the election and move it over in the President Trump's favor? That I do not know. Um, if I had to assume something going historically, I would assume it is a no that that would happen. So that's the reality of the election and the recounts and where we are now. We still have to see how they go. It's one of the reasons why I delayed this podcast, because watching this stuff unfold, it's better to sit back and wait and come up with an opinion that's based on facts and what's actually happening on the ground than just run off. And I've, I've heard a lot of podcasts. I've heard a lot of different pundits come out and say one, oh, it's going to go this way. We know for a fact that there's been voting fraud and blah, 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 blah. And I think it's it's good to be prudent at a moment like this and not run out and just uh, shoot from the hip and say things like the media did. And let's get now to that. So why the media felt like they had to proclaim uh, the winner to be Joe Biden um, over the weekend as they did. Now, there's been some questions about when they actually did this. They did it like within minutes before um, Rudy Giuliani had a press conference announcing that they were going to bring this to court uh, and go after ballots that they felt were invalidated. He was in Pennsylvania, and he was uh, flanked by all these election poll watchers and workers who had said that there was some uh, stuff that happened that was not good. Literally right before he's supposed to uh, speak, the AP calls the election, the Associated Press, that is, calls the election uh, for Joe Biden and says Joe Biden is going to be the next president-elect, and immediately all news coverage switched over to that, and that was all you, you heard for all weekend was that. Um, there's a reason why they did that. Uh, you may say they didn't want him to, to hear Rudy Giuliani, but I don't know if it's very much that. The reality is, I think it's known that there it's going to be. They know it's going to be litigated. They know there's going to be recounts. These are too close. There, it's a strategic decision on the on the media to do this. 
the idea was you have these states that are leaning Biden. You have enough that you can go out and throw a prediction out there with if, with all things staying consistent, the prediction would be true. So it doesn't cost much to go do this uh, prediction. You can go uh, you can go there as, as far as your 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 moral right to say it or not, right? They they figure, hey, take a gamble. We can go out there and we can say Joe Biden's the next president. We could try to hush up the president's arguments before he's able to actually fight those out in court. Um, it's one of the reasons why this was done over a weekend. And it's nothing new for the media. The media has taken this approach that the president doesn't deserve to be president, that the de- president is illegitimate, that everything the president does is bad, everything that the Democrats do is good. And so they wanted to call the election. People flooded the streets in support of Joe Biden, which 73 million votes, very much a historic election that he got. And uh, I mean, maybe it's closer to 74 and 71 million for Trump. More votes than any other presidential candidate ever before them, uh, for both of them. And so people flood the streets, obviously, in support of Joe Biden, which is expected. People are happy that their candidate got chosen, and they go out in the streets and take their masks off and, and dance and party and all this stuff and pass bottles of champagne to each other and all drink out of it because, you know, what pandemic? And so they're doing all that in celebration of his victory. And the reality is it makes it that much harder for President Trump. When he goes to court now, and if there is evidence, not saying there is, if there is evidence that there has been some funny business and some perhaps fraud going on in this election, and there's a couple hundred thousand ballots that are invalidated because of said supposed fraud, and now a court is left with a decision that they have votes that shouldn't count, that have been counted, that now are invalidated and should not count. And if most of those votes are for Biden, not to say they are, they could be Trump votes that are invalidated by this. Like it go both ways. When you start pulling votes apart and saying, hey, this one doesn't have a signature, this one doesn't have a postmark, and we don't know when this thing was mailed and blah, blah, blah. You can throw out Trump votes too. It can go the other way. Trump could lose by even more by going after this. And if he does, he does. That's how it is. So we don't know what the results will be of it. But We do know that if the court is faced with this decision to invalidate a couple hundred thousand votes, let's say, or 30,000 votes here and 40,000 votes there, 20,000 votes here, right, that came in after the dates or have problems with them, and that result of that will change the election outcome, we are left in a very interesting predicament, right? To use another football reference, it's like a ref having to make a call when the game is on the line, and that call could change the outcome of the game. You know, one team just has just won the game. There's a pass interference call on the play. If they call it, get, you know, maybe it's fourth down or whatever it might, the situation might be, right? All of a sudden, you're left, in a, a, if you call, if you throw that flag and you call that uh, penalty, by calling that, there's a very good chance or almost guarantee that you're going to change the outcome of that game. And now it's you who did it. It's not the teams who did it. It's you who did it, right? And referees go through that all the time and have to make decisions. My friends who might be referees, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but you probably dread making any kind of decision like that because you don't want your your 
you know, not that you have any biases, but the fact that your decision would change the outcome when another outcome was already almost predetermined. That's what the judges will be facing. These judges are a third branch of government. They are independent. They are uh, have equal power. And they're going to see this kind of event. And then they're going to be left with this conundrum of a decision. Do I throw out the ballots that are not valid or questionably valid in some of these cases and change the result of the election declaring another person the winner, Donald Trump versus Joe Biden? And do I have to now live with the results of what that decision is? Now, some of you listening to me might go immediately, oh, yeah, you throw the votes out. They're illegal. They're not allowed. They're, they were bad. They were legally cast. They should be eliminated and thrown out just on their face. No question about it. And I, I don't disagree with that perspective. I do agree 100%. The votes are legally cast or not cast properly, right? Again, we're not saying this is fraud. We're not necessarily saying this is intentional fraud, that someone intentionally did this. I think there might be situations where that is true, too. We'll see. But we're looking at a situation where there, you know, maybe no, maybe someone didn't sign the ballot. Maybe it was sent out on the fourth and not on the third, right? Or it was sent out on the third at nine twenty p.m. or something along those lines, where it was beyond when the polls were open. And then we get to a point where you got to throw and invalidate those ballots. You got to throw them away, and it's going to change the result of the election. You know, in Bush first Gore, back in two thousand, the Supreme Court faced a similar decision. But their decision was a little different. It was to stop the recount that could have, the recount could have perhaps changed the election result. And they chose to to stop and put pause on that recount and then decide who the winner was. And in that case, it automatically had, had leaned George W. Bush's way. George W. Bush becomes president of the United States. That decision was more of the court leaning on, hey, we don't want to interfere with this. If we allow this to continue, our decision to allow it to continue may have an impact on this election. So it was almost kind of like we're going to step back and not allow it to continue. There's no reason to allow it. There's there's not a there's in his case the ballots. There was no uniform way to count these ballots. Uh, there was different ballots used in different counties in the state of Florida. Um, Al Gore only wanted certain counties recounted and not other counties recounted. Things weren't uniform, and therefore the argument in Supreme Court was that it violated the Fourteenth Amendment, which was um, that you know the law is equally um, given to everybody, right? It's distributed equally, enforced equally to everybody, and so that was what the violation was in the Al in the, in the Bush versus Gore decision. That's what causes uh, Bush to become the president. So that was a little bit different in that scenario than what this is. This we're talking about perhaps invalidating uh, potentially illegal ballots uh, and thus by doing that actually changing the result of the election. Also another thing in Bush versus Gore, you didn't have millions of people taking to the streets in the year 2000 over the Bush versus Gore decision, right? Gore was announced president or projected to be president, I should say, for 36 days while this recount was going on. And he wasn't president. So he thought he was president. He thought he had a good chance of being president for 36 days. And it ended up not being the case that George W. Bush, of course, was elected. And that was very controversial at the time. I was alive in the year 2000. I'm old enough to remember it. It was very controversial at the time when all that went down. But we were not in the situation we are as a country now. 
where people are really on the edge and we are very divided and you have millions of people have gone out and voted in this election millions more than in any other election in United States history you've had people who have taken the Trump rallies in massive numbers you've had people who have taken to the street in massive numbers and uh, you know parades for Joe Biden and just over the summer and the things we you know if you have any kind of memory that's longer than the hamsters you'll remember that people were marching in the streets and rioting and burning cities down um, who all just happened to be uh, not Trump supporters so the idea that the election results could be negated and reversed to go back to Trump's way would fall into this situation that we're in. And the fear is that the side that runs out to the street, marches, and burns things is probably going to burn everything, if that was the case. Uh, if you've noticed, 71-plus million Americans voted for President Trump for re-election. It was projected over the weekend that he lost and that Joe Biden won. 71 million people did not take to the streets and burn things down and get upset. Well, we're not happy. The voters were not happy who voted for President Trump. But they're not burning things down. They're not destroying stuff. Not rioting. Nothing like that. There's, in fact, a lot of... There's a bill saying crazy stuff on the internet. But for the most part, most people, hey, let's see how the results come. Let's see how this litigates out. Maybe it's not over yet, which it isn't. It's not over yet, right? Things like that. No one taking the streets. No one being violent. No one threatening to kill anybody or anything like that. At least not in reality. I have a fear that if this goes the other way, you will not see the same type of reaction from the 73-plus million people who voted for Joe Biden and are taking to the streets in triumph, that triumph would quickly turn into chaos. And the response, I think, would be deadly on that side. And I feel American cities would burn in response. So my plea is that we have uh, a prayerful, peaceful, calm approach to watching this process play out. And if the process plays out against whichever candidate it goes against, those candidate supporters accept the response and we move forward as a country. There are bigger fights here, right? There are bigger fights against socialism, against the encroachment of the left, the fact that you have people that are on the very far left that have taken over many aspects of the Democrat Party uh, and may even have aspects of the presidency taken over. That are far bigger fights that we need to worry about and regroup for than simply worrying about who the president's going to be. Now, obviously, it starts there with the president. Um, We gained a lot of seats. Republicans gained a lot of seats in the House. Um, The Democrats lost um, some seats in the House. It looks like the Republicans are going to maintain control over the Senate, which is uh, very important. And then, you know, it's weird that all that would happen and you lose the presidency. That's very unheard of. Um, Doesn't happen normally. But if it does, it does. If it doesn't, then we continue on with the status quo and we, we keep making America great again and we keep winning, uh, which is, brings me uh, you know, to another point now, and that is the economy. So leaving leftist craziness aside and the fact that this election is, uh, is in dispute at the moment, uh, the economy is doing quite well. 
Uh, today, it had a huge, huge boost to the economy over the news that Pfizer came out with that the vaccine for COVID-19 has a 90% efficacy rate. And it looks like it's going to be ready. It's getting, you know, third-party trials are pretty much ending. They're getting their data analyzed by the FDA. It looks like approval is going to come very, 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 very soon. And they'll begin distributing this vaccine. It uh, looks like for free. And people will be able to get it. And the COVID nightmare uh, hopefully will come to an end. And hopefully it will come very quickly. Now, I've been paying attention to this because as soon as I heard the news today, I found it very interesting that it came out today. And not maybe last week. Now, maybe... I don't work for Pfizer. I don't know what their inside scoop is. I don't work for these third-party groups that um, analyze the data um, from these from these uh, trials and, and things like that. So I don't know. Maybe they just got finished with the stuff over the weekend and they had their report done and they were ready to announce. And, and maybe it was just that you know, they wanted to announce it as quickly as they possibly could. Or maybe it's the fact that we just had an election and it looks like we just proclaimed that Joe Biden was the winner. And now Pfizer felt like they were allowed to come out and say – that they had this vaccine ready so that they wouldn't play a part in influencing the election. Um, I feel like that probably is actually the reality of what happened here and not the other way around. Um, Pfizer, of course, has been working on this vaccine with a German company. Uh, they, um, CNN and the New York Times, were very happy to point out that they were not part of the warp speed program that the Trump administration had put forward to try to find a vaccine, even though that uh, position is not 100% true. Uh, yes, they were not under any kind of warp speed program. They were guaranteed and promised, though, uh, billions of dollars for the implementation of this virus and getting it out, or virus vaccine and getting it out there if um, they if they did get a vaccine and it was proven correct. So even though they weren't technically under the, the warp speed program of being funded by the federal government for all of this, they were going to get funded on the backside for what they did. So you really can't say, hey, they weren't part of it. I mean, they, they said, Pfizer spokespeople came out and said, we weren't part of the Warp Speed thing. We, weren't, we didn't use any of the money for R&D. Uh, we didn't use any federal money for that or blah, blah, blah. But the reality is there's money on the backside um, as part of the Warp Speed program that they, they would be getting um, if they are successful with this. So it is kind of disingenuous to say that they're not part of the Warp Speed program. If it wasn't for the Warp Speed program, they definitely wouldn't be, I think, as much of a contender in this vaccine as other companies um, that were under the Warp Speed program. And, of course, the Warp Speed program is put together by President Trump. Private-public partnerships trying to get uh, this uh, vaccine fast-tracked and get it through all its testing pro uh, processes get all of the restraints and red tape and all these restrictions pulled off so that we can get these vaccines um, to market quicker and uh, actually get this problem solved in a fast and safe manner. Uh, the president has been very hardcore with this stuff and getting it done. And the coronavirus task force, of course, have been behind that. Um, and then, you, of course, you turn the news on, though, and it's all Joe Biden's putting together a pandemic response team. In fact, if I go to uh, CNN right now and I pull CNN up, um, the headline literally on the website is here's who's on Biden's transition COVID-19 advisory board. And it says the president elect's team will include a former FDA commissioner, a former surgeon general, and a Yale associate professor of medicine and epidemiology. Uh, and then it has live updates and all of this stuff, including a great track misinformation thing. Cause 
we always rely on CNN to tell us what information is. Um, and it goes on to say Deborah Bricks has not been approached by Team Biden about staying on as a government employee. So uh, it's wonderful how immediately everything has switched to Biden, 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 Biden. Um, how Biden plans to change the U.S. pandemic response is one of the headlines on CNN.com. Uh, so immediately it's Biden who's been behind all this, and Biden's got a plan, and Biden's got to solve this thing. And it was funny when you actually read the transition website for Biden and what it says that his pandemic response is. It is to put together a team of experts to approach uh, finding out what's going on with the Biden, or to find out what's going on with the COVID-19, address it and get supplies to, uh, to places that need supplies and work to get a vaccine uh, distributed and given to people on a mass scale. Uh, literally the exact same thing that the Trump administration has been doing for the last 10 months. It's like, like oh, yeah, we, we saw what you were doing. We reworded it, and now it's ours. Like, it's, you know, when you read the back of a book and then write your book report two minutes later and you just reword everything that was on the back of the book in the summary, and you say, that's my book report. I never read the book, but I just read the back of it, and I think I know what the book's about, and I just reworded all the things that people already said about the book. That's literally the Biden plan is to, uh, you know, plagiarize a book report as their plan for um, the COVID-19 response. And so no mention that this is actually all the Trump administration that was behind this. They're the reason why this happened. Um, had the Trump administration not pushed, I feel like had the, the president who got ridiculed many times for pushing as hard as he could, told it was impossible to do the things he did with the pandemic response, is the reason why they've been so successful um, with getting this vaccine so quickly. But you wouldn't hear that because it's all Biden all the time now, and Biden's going to solve everyone's problems. And the whole world, of course, is rejoicing, including all those people in Bosnia who are very happy that Biden is president. So, or president-elect, presumed, right? So, um, that is the take I have on the, in the economy. Of course, it's rocketing to, uh, to record labels, uh, record rates. We got record uh, unemployment kicking in. We're down to 6.9%, a number no one thought would be possible this quickly um, after shutting down our economy. All these are Trump's successes. However, 73 million people voted for the other guy who had nothing to do with this. In fact, he voted for the guy who was against all these things and tried to stop them. If He, he said if he was in charge, he would have stopped most of this stuff from happening. And just sat there and ridiculed the president. But now we are seeing the fruits of the president's labor um, and the administration's labor being on display. And I think there may have been a little bit of political motivation by people like Pfizer to uh, come out after the election. Now, whether that's because they wanted Biden to win, I don't know. Um, I think more of it was they didn't want to impact the election. Because I think if people had this information a week ago or two weeks ago, this election would have played out much different. If people knew that a vaccine was 90% effective and that the president, the current administration's push, although he, he said these things in the debate, he said these things in the campaign trail, but if they actually saw real evidence that the president's efforts were successful and that these companies were successful in getting a vaccine to 90% efficacy and seeing that come out a week or two before the election, I think it would have been a no contest. If the economy in the Dow and the Dow and the Nasdaq and the, you know uh, would have rocketed the way they just did today on news of the successes of this vaccine, and that the reality is we're looking at probably a vaccine coming around by the end of the year easily, and deployed by the beginning of next year, and uh, starting to be distributed on a mass scale, and people taking it, and us getting back to being a normal society here that's just going to get through this virus. Um, 
if people had known that a week ago or two weeks ago, I think they probably would have, uh, I think, voted accordingly and said that the president was really the one behind all this. Uh, had he not pushed as hard as he did, we wouldn't have had had it. And I hope that if this election does not go the way of President Trump getting reelected, and it does go like, like it's looking with Joe Biden being elected, that people remember the successes of the Trump administration, which are many. There are many successes in this Trump administration that should not be overlooked. Now, with that said, I think Trump has to be careful with his rhetoric. His legacy is on the line with how he speaks at this point forward. He must let this process play out. I think he's right for fighting and doing what he's doing today because we cannot, as Americans, sit down, lay back, and let any kind of voter integrity issues impact our election and decide a candidate if it's not the legitimate uh, and correct choice of the American people. That we need to keep in mind as this process goes. That is the most important thing in a republic to uh, have. If we don't have election integrity and these votes are not counted correctly, then we will not have a republic, and that is the end of it. So that is what's going on in politics today. I'm James O'Hara. Um, thank you for listening. Of course, you can find me on Apple Podcasts. You can now find me on Spotify. Uh, it's Facebook at Politics Today. Um, and you, of course, can hit me up on email, politicstodayjro at gmail.com. Uh, and you can download this podcast at any place where you get your podcasts. And feel free to share it out to all your friends and let them know. Thank you very much, and you all have a wonderful day.